Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I am pleased to feature Antoine Sargent. He is a writer, curator, and director at Gagosian Gallery in New York City. He is the author of The New Black Vanguard, Photography Between Art and Fashion, published by Arperture in 2019. In addition, he's the editor of Young, Gifted, and Black, a new generation of artists, published by DAP in 2020, and in May, June of 2021, Antoine was the guest editor of Art in America magazine's new talent issue. His writings have appeared in the New York Times and New Yorker, and in museum and gallery publications for artists that include Micheline Thomas, Arthur Jaffa, Nick Cave, and Ed Clark, among many others. He has lectured and spoken in public forums at the Brooklyn Museum, the Student Museum of Harlem, Harvard University, and Yale University. He also gave a TEDx talk on the importance of black art. Recently, Antoine curated a group exhibition titled Social Works, The New Black Vanguard, and Young, Gifted, and Black, all currently on view. Thank you for tuning in to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast and enjoy this interesting and informative conversation with Antoine Sargent. Antoine, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I am delighted to feature you. Thanks for having me today. When did you recognize your interest or love for the visual arts? I grew up in Chicago and I had always been involved you know as a kid my mom you know really thought that us being involved in sports but also cultural activities were just very important for me and my siblings and so um i went to a private catholic school um that really just like we were immersed in you know not only sort of like we played you know fast pitch baseball and, and basketball sort of after school but we also you know, went to Harbor Street Dance and to the MCA Chicago and to the Art Institute of Chicago and the Field Museum and the Aquarium and the Chicago Youth uh, Orchestra and all, you know, all of, you know, we, we were really sort of fortunate in that way. And, and so I think that is my sort of non-professional uh, link to art has been like we've you know, I grew up in museums and always were around sort of creative people and, you know, was a part of a, a group of like young poets and writers and uh, thinkers in Chicago that, you know, they were all sort of officially attached to this organization called Young Chicago Authors. And I was just sort of around, you know, um, observing and absorbing um, language and knowledge and 
you know, it's like, that's when I first met the Astro Gates, you know, when I was a 16 year old kid in Chicago um, and, you know, others as well um, who are, you know, artist teachers in our sort of, you know, artist community. And so that, that sort of is the sort of origin story in a way. But I mean, I think when I thought about this as a career or as a sort of a professional possibility, I think that there are two things that happened. One, I went, I went to Georgetown and I studied politics in the School of Foreign Service. And I was taking this theory class and we did these case studies. And one of the case studies was around Kara Walker's work, you know, and it had like blew my mind into three million pieces that work, you know, because I think that up until that moment, you know, I was educated in fairly fine uh, schools, but the way that she sort of thought about history and probed history and showed the absolute messiness of uh, history and sort of the antebellum period and, and the effects of that on our culture today, I had never seen anything like that. And I needed to know more. And so I just sort of threw myself into learning everything about Kara Walker. And when I graduated, I uh, moved to New York did Teach for America. I was a kindergarten teacher in East New York. And I sort of fell in a crowd of folks, um, Jaja Faye being one of them, who was at the Guggenheim at the time. And, you know, I saw that, you know, she was sort of a digital strategist and they had other friends who were young curators, and other friends who were like, you know, doing other things. And I was like, oh, I can be a writer. I've always written. I can sort of contribute, you know, to that. And so I was teaching in New York, at, you know, in the public school system by day and then by night I was interviewing artists and writing about artists and seeing shows and going to parties and you know the whole nine and that sort of began the sort of career the sort of my professional sort of career and at the time I must say this was uh 12 years ago now the landscape was very different and so I was just like oh and then you know I'm friends with all these young artists you know Eric Mack and A. Walerisku and Jordan Castile and you know all of these folks and I go no one's writing about their work I'll write I'll be the person to write about the work and interview them and and sort of do that and that just became the thing that I did for uh years and years. Did you work much with children in art? Did you get a chance to impact how um art influenced children? No not in school I mean not when I was teaching when I was teaching I was a literacy teacher. And so my responsibility was to make sure that my students in East New York, Brooklyn, uh, could read. And I did that very seriously. And I just took, you know, spent every moment, you know, ensuring that that was something that they could do when they left my classroom and went off to the first grade and, you know, et cetera. And so I was super involved in sort of the literacy uh, component because at the time I was, I was solely a writer. And so I was, uh, and so that was sort of of interest to me it was like helping kids how to read and then at night you know contributing to you know newspapers and magazines and uh and then later you know artist catalogs and then make my own books what type of relationships do you prefer to have with artists i mean i think that like depending on the artist there is a each of the relationships are different you know i even think about my own relationships there's folks i've been in dialogue since you know i was 21 and trying to make it you know sort of make sense out of the art world um, and those conversations have continued and those conversations sort of have happened in in the form of essays, in the forms of interviews, in the forms of studio visits, in the form of exhibitions, right? And so I think that like being in conversation with an artist, um, I prefer whatever, you know, those conversations sort of the shape those conversations take. I prefer them to happen over time, you know, because I 
I'm sort of someone who's deeply invested in sort of the arc of uh, artists' uh, creative journey, um, opposed to say just one show or one you know sort of exhibition or or one interview or one essay. I'm really sort of interested in sort of how do they grow, how do they change, what part of the culture are they responding to in a particular moment, or what part of our history, or what or part of sort of you know mater- what materiality they're sort of interested in. You know, all of those questions from the social to the formal happen over time in an artist's career, right? And I think that for me, that's important to be on that journey um, over time, you know? And, you know, I can even, even, you know, some of it even takes the form of just like being at a gala or party or, or, you know, supporting some, another friend, you know, some of it is just simply friendship and like listening, you know, and, and then other times it's about sort of mounting an exhibition or writing an essay for um, a book that is connected to an exhibition. What do you feel is the role of the artist? I mean, I think the role of the, I mean, it's it's such a good question because I think that's ever changing. And I think that there's not one particular role, you know, I think that they just have to get to the truth of what they're doing, you know? And, And I think that that is the role really whatever their concerns is to explore them deeply and as truthfully as possible do you feel black art can be defined no i mean i I don't spend a lot of time trying to define black art i think that it's a useful term um in that you know we have a particularly in sort of the way the art world is created has been created and the way they, the histories of, of 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 discrimination and the legacies of colonialism that runs through the art world i think that it's it's important to sort of not only name a black art but also name a white art right and i think that that's important but i think that it's not one thing it's not a monolith right and so um black art is you know carrie james marshall amy sherrill jordan castile a waller riscu shakif tyler mitchell you know etc etc you know it's everybody right and i don't think that like if anyone tries to give you a definition, you know, that shuts anybody out, I, I would be skeptical of that. The art world has changed quite a bit. What are your thoughts on this new model? You know, my thing is I'm not, we're in the midst of a change. I don't know if we can say what the change is, is sort of my perspective. Um, I think that it seems like we are in the mood of change, but, you know, it took us, you know, centuries to sort of get here, Right. And so I think that, like, for me, a change would have to occur across not just, you know, a few years, which is what we are in, but really sort of requires sort of decades, if not century-long commitments, right? And so I think that, like, there are a lot of seemingly interesting new possibilities that are cropping up, you know, from where artists are represented, how they're represented, to sort of the types of, you know, the emergence of things like digital possibilities for art and artists, you know, the traditional galleries expanding, traditional museums sort of expanding their roles and their commitments. I think I think we're in a moment where a lot of that seems of promise, but we've been in other moments, right, where this have seemed very promising. And then in the, you know, sort of in a blink of an eye, then it's back to sort of the pendulum swings back to sort of what we've known as the status quo. And so for me, it really is about sort of trying to really, really, if we say change, always sort of like, what does that mean? 
what does that mean in this moment? What does this mean in the work that I'm doing? What does it mean in the essay? What does it mean in the role as a gallery director? What does it mean a role as sometimes as a, a museum curator? What does it mean in convert when I'm in conversation with other curators or artists or cultural workers, right? I'm always sort of trying to sort of think about what is that change and how can you be that change? Always, constantly, right? And so I think that like, you know, like, I, but I am just sort of skeptical of folks I'm skeptical, I guess I'm skeptical of the idea that you now have a few of us in some very high places that that equates to automatic change, right? And because I think that like the change is in the work and it's in the doing, it's not in the sort of hiring, right? Like that's not the sort of thing that sort of, you know, it's like, what do you do with the position that matters ultimately? So I'm just sort of sitting back and watching. I mean, I don't, I mean, there's some interesting things happening and not and some not so interesting things happening right that is also change right and so i i so i'm sort of trying to sort of do my part but also think about sort of what that might mean you know i think we're in this sort of moment of total expansion in all these different ways you know in terms of like what artists want where artists want to be sort of uh have their practices go right that is even sort of shifting it's not like it's not just like hey you do this one thing right um it's not like you're a painter and you paint now painters are making films and they're making comic books and they're making you know what i mean like there, there's there's sort of the nature of an artist's practice has shifted so dramatically and i hope that you know our art world or our worlds can sort of hold and harness that shift which is yet to be seen how do you think we can best sustain these positive steps that we've taken? We need to increase the momentum by like a hundredfold, right? Because like, even when you sort of say a museum collected a work by a artist of color or a black artist or a woman artist, or, you know, so have you, their budgets are still 90, you know, like 90, 85, 90%, like traditional, you know? And so like, when you say, just because I guess I'm, I'm sort of pushing back this idea that just because you're sort of, there's one artist being shown or that there's one exhibition being mounted. That's one among the many more that are sort of same that are still in the tradition, right? That, that we all find problematic, right? And so I think that like, there just needs to be a lot more of it. There needs to be a lot more pushing. There needs to be a lot more sort of change, if you will. Because I, because at the moment, I don't think that we're not moving at a pace that um, will really create long lasting results. Galleries aren't always fair in terms of who or what collectors they sell to. I'd like to see more Black collectors buy work, but there are certain you know, impediments, certain blocks. Can you comment on what you feel would be the ideal scenario? I mean, I don't think there is an ideal scenario. I think that each artist, uh, I, I mean, I can sort of speak from the perspective of the work that I've been doing at the gallery that I work at. We sort of are a artist-led organization, and artists are involved in every decision that we make, you know? And that might not seem like that might not sort of the result might not seem fair, but but that is sort of our impetus and how we sort of approach things. I think that there's a number of really, whenever you're trying to place a work, there's a number of really complicated decisions that you're making about where work ultimately ends up. Right. And so on the one hand, I'm like, yes, more black collectors need opportunities to collect work. Sure. But also we just need more black collectors. Right. And I think we need more black collectors who are willing to sort of collect in ways that also are, we need more collectors in general that are willing to collect 
in ways that are that sort of also meet whatever artist's uh, goal is, right? And so, for example, what I mean by that, sometimes an artist who only wants things to go to people that have institutional affiliations, right? And to sort of be in the institutional game, there are just not a lot of Black lecturers in that game right now, right? And we can talk about sort of whatever, re- for whatever reasons, right? One just being like the historic lockout of Black people in sort of galleries and museums and on boards and all of that stuff, right? Efforts that are underway to rectify, right? Being rectified, right? But if an artist says, you know, if there's a high demand for an artist and say a collector, a collector, this is hypothetical, but say a collector says, I sit on the board of a museum and, you know, I've been talking to folks in the museum and and they're really excited about this artist, right? And so when the time comes and if the museum likes something, then I'll help facilitate that. I'll help make the donation or whatever, right? I'll help make it possible. That's a pretty good deal for an artist. I'm not saying that Black collectors don't do that because they very much do, but I'm saying that there are all of these random sort of things that are happening behind the scenes that sort of allow certain people to get work and certain others not to get work, you know? And I've now just seen that up close in the work that I'm doing at the gallery, right? I also think that, you know, there are... Like, I know a lot of collectors, Black collectors, who actually have a lot of the work that are now prized by Black artists, for example, you know, that are that other collectors want and cannot get, white collectors want and cannot get, right? Because they, they went early and they had commitments, right? I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios. You know, there's scenarios where you present something to a collector, Black or white, and for whatever reason, they can't make the commitment. And then when they are able to make a commitment, you have other things, you know? Like, I don't think that, like, I think that you have, meaning you have, I'm not trying to be opaque, but I'm just saying that there's other, you know, like maybe the artist list has grown and then you have several institutions who want work. And so that's not a black collector not being able to get work. It's just that like, you're not the priority. You know what I mean? And then I think that like, that is one of the things that's sort of been interesting is that like, these are not one single scenario and it's not one single, you know, thing, but I think that there's a lot of different things that play into that, you know, when folks, some folks want discounts, others don't need them, you know, that sort of just shapes the, like what is possible. I'm not saying black folks want discounts all the time. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying white folks want discounts all the time. I'm just saying that there's a lot of these sort of other pop, like these other sort of things that happen behind the scenes that allow folks to get access and other folks not to get access, you know, and where it allows one type of maybe say black collector to get a lot of access and then one not to get any at all. Right. And then there's this thing where, which has been sort of interesting is that when you're first starting collecting, right. Like black or white or whatever, but like, it's almost impossible to get access to the best work. And I don't care how much money you have, because one of the questions that artists are interested in and that galleries, are, if they're doing their job right, are interested in is what's in your collection. And so if you don't have anything in your collection, then how do you get in? So there are these other sort of issues, I think, out there as well around sort of what you think you should have access to versus what you do have access to. And the best collectors that I've seen over the years have sort of started with their own interest and started by taking risks. As an example, it's like not everyone if you're just sort of starting out, I don't know if you're going to get the opportunity to buy Carrie James Marshall. I don't know if you should have the opportunity, frankly, to buy a Carrie James Marshall if you're just starting out. Because there, this is a thing. We are sort of among a community, right, that has some level of supports and rules and, you know, 
and protections. They're not perfect, obviously. But I think that expectation versus sort of what is possible, it's not always racism, you know, some of it is, you know, absolutely. But I, but I, I think now being in this job on this side of the, 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 uh, on this side of it, you know, having the place works, having to sort of fill the request, it's, it's sort of been really eye-opening around sort of what people are willing to pay, what, you know, like all of these things, right? Like, I, I think that like, and I'm, I'm sort of twisting myself into a pretzel because I'm not trying to generalize any one experience because there's not one experience, right? And so when you say something like, you think Black collectors should have more access, yes, we can all agree on that. But then when it comes to, I can, you know, I can tell like, you know, it's like I've, I've offered, there was a show I had early this summer. I offered the works intentionally to a number of Black collectors and they passed on those works and then things happened, the show was successful. A lot of them came back and said, hey, I would like, you know, access to those works. And so I go, well, the works are gone. That's not me holding them out. That's me saying, you snoozed, you lost, and now you have to get in fucking line. And I think that like, that is also the other thing. It's like, it can't just, it's not a one-way street. Support of an artist goes way beyond just buying the work. And I think that is what is one of the fundamental sort of, in this moment, one of the fundamental misalignments between being a collector and being a patron, for example. You know, like when I'm sort of placing works with people, I'm placing works with people who are patrons, who have the possibility to sort of help the artist, not just sort of in this moment of like, we want a painting, but if they have a, if they, if they are sort of doing, I work with a lot of artists who are communally engaged, for example, are you going to be there in Tulsa, Oklahoma? My artists need to do something. Are you going to sort of help the artist in LA who's trying to feed her community? I'm not saying those are prerequisites, but I'm saying when people are just sort of showing up, offering those things, you're not competing, you know? Like, and so I think that like, like those are sort of like, there are all of these other factors that I think are important right now. And then there's the historical factors, right? That yes, black collector, there is some black collectors who just couldn't get access. And there's still black collectors who can't get access. And that's a problem that needs to be uh, rectified. But I know that like for me, one of the things of trying to do things differently in the role that I have at the gallery that I am at is, you know, making sure that a lot of different people have off, you know, have possibilities. And so when I did social works, I, the two social work, the two shows that I've done at the galleries, I made sure that a diverse group of collectors, and I don't mean diverse just racially, I mean age, I mean where they live geographically, I mean, you know, I mean, like, I, I, I wanted sort of a diverse group of people to have sort of access because there was a, because there was a, because it was an intergenerational show, you had artists who were just starting out and you had artists who were extremely tied, you know, extremely established with very healthy markets. And so you wanted to make sure that, that you were sort of, uh, you know, trying to as best you can, because none of this is a science, right? <laughs> but you were trying as best you can to sort of try to like encourage certain people who I know, black folks who I know who have money that should be collecting, encouraging them to buy art by maybe offering them something that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. And then it was also sort of on the other end where you had these really established collectors, black collectors with, you know, really storied collections, right? Um, with institutional ties or whatever, and encouraging them to maybe collect a younger artist that, you know, that probably wasn't on their radar, right? And so you're trying to do all of that work, but then you're also trying to do all that work, not in a vacuum, you're trying to do all that work with the other sort of concerns, you know? I think that like the artists that I work with, they want their work collected by a, a wide range of folks, you know, 
and not just by one demographic or or what what have you or one you know type of collector and so that's been something i've been trying to sort of work through you know and trying to be as you know i don't know if fair is the right word in this sort of art world but it's it's something i've been been very cognizant of and trying to my best to make sure that a lot of different had off you know had a possibility to sort of acquire their work but if i offered you something and you passed on it then fine you know whatever the situation but don't think that you're going to be offered that thing again that's just not the way that we all know that's not how this works you know not saying that and maybe there maybe there is a possibility down the, you know the line in the future that you are offered something else but it's not a i don't know like i'm always i, I think i've been shocked in some ways by the collecting side and how all, and all the politics around the collecting side and how that narrative isn't necessarily the one that is most affecting what collectors get access to what work you know you also have folks who does a lot of business with a gallery and 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 they are just prioritized because they do a lot of business with the gallery right and so they're not supporting just one show one artist they're supporting many shows and many artists right at the at the end of the day it's a business right and so i think that like in any other you know business you make sure that your best customers are are taken care of right or your best collectors in this case right and so i think there's a lot of you know and then i work at a global gallery with a lot of you know with a, that reaches a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world and so um that's also the other thing you know i think that one of the one of my big sort of takeaways of the last say a few years is that this is a very american conversation we're having around black artists right and you go to other parts of the world and it's like we don't exist or our work is unknown or our and so for me that means that okay we're going to gallery with 18 locations around the world let's get these names out there you know let's 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 sort of think about sort of different markets let's think about sort of bringing our art and our concerns to different places right and sometimes that means that then those people in those markets get access first because you're trying to have not just the sort of american conversation you're trying to sort of have I, a global conversation, or at least I am. And so I think those things are also at play now. It's not just, you know, the days of like a few people supporting few artists, Black artists in, you know, in the gallery space. It's fair to say those days are over. Should new collectors look to the secondary market if they're not able to buy from a gallery during the exhibition? Yeah, I mean, I sure, like absolutely. I, I've known some Black uh, collectors, newer Black collectors who've uh, gotten some really great work on the secondary market, right? And uh, the secondary market is, you know, it, it is not, you know, there's like no one way to sort of look at it, right? And so like, I think that like, there have been these high profile cases where artists have felt that they had been wrong because their work went on secondary, right? And like, and I think that has to do with sort of like, artists, uh, royalties and things like that, right? Which is not a thing in the United States, right? I mean, I don't know, like my perspective on the one hand, it's like, yes, you should like, I think what's tough about it is like you sell them for a million dollars, right? The painting for a million dollars. I'm like, sort of like, it's no longer yours, you know, like, like you said, like, 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 like you, you have, you are an active player. I know it's a controversial sort of at a step perspective, but I, I really do think that like a lot of these folks who are works are going on a, on the secondary market they're pretty rich is, is sort of like my, <laughs> my perspective and that i don't know if i'm gonna sort of you know like i don't know if that's my fight you know like i think that people should seek access where they can 
And I think that I also believe in artist royalties. And but I also believe that our healthy secondary market actually help living artists like that totally help the the value of the work. Not maybe to the point that people want to see it or whatever, or, you know, what have you. And I understand that, but it definitely is a positive if you have a healthy secondary market. What exhibitions are you excited about now? What exhibitions at the moment? You mean are currently up? Yes. Or even something you saw down in Basel. For the next week, I have a social works two open in London um, that I'm sort of was very excited about putting that show on. At the Detroit Institute of Art, I have an exhibition called The New Black Vanguard, which I repeat between art and fashion that's opening from on uh, December 17th. That's going to run through the spring. Um, shows that I'm, 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 that are not my own that I'm interested in. At the Whitney, there's a beautiful Jennifer Packer exhibition. Let's see, Dirty South that's traveling at the moment. It's in Houston. Um, I'm really excited to, to, to get to see that. I've been really fascinated by the Obama, the traveling Obama show, um, just because in each city that is traveled to, it sort of contextualizes portraits um, by Candy and Amy um, in different ways. What else am I interested in? I was just out in LA and I saw a photo show at LACMA um, that was really sort of, I think, well done. What else am I sort of interested in at the moment? I mean, there's just like so many uh, exhibitions. At the New Museum, the Triennial, it's like really interesting because it's it defies sort of all the market sort of, you know, trends that we that we you know are seeing coming up i'm really interested that the whitney biennial is coming back in the spring um i think it uh, opens in late march early april yeah i mean there's a lot happening i mean there's a lot the days of like one black artist getting one show at an institution or or at a at a gallery are over you know and so it, it really is people are doing like all types of sort of really really exciting things oh there's a lubiana hamid show at the moment Hamid show at um, the Tate and she's having, it's like her, her survey. I need to get over to London and see that. I saw Lynette's show at the Tate right before it's closing. It's coming back to the Tate because it didn't run for so long. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's just a lot sort of happening and I'm sort of just excited about sort of see, I mean, I just see, I'm constantly, constantly, constantly seeing exhibitions. It's almost, it's like an addiction, but I'm, yeah, I think those are, are the shows that I've um, seen recently that are, just really great. Oh, Glenn Ligon at uh, Hausenworth in New York. And also, uh, sort of coincidentally, uh, Lorna Simpson at Hausenworth at Los Angeles. That show is sublime. I've not seen someone um, occupy. That's a tough space. That gallery is a tough gallery to mount exhibitions in, in my humble opinion. And it's uh, and she done she did a really great job with that with that work. And the way that she sort of start to push her practice and she returns to sort of some themes that, you know, um, in earlier works, I really do think that's a, a really, um, really sort of poetic and, and beautiful um, exhibition out there. Well, thanks for sharing. And yeah, it's, it's uh, so exciting. It's just so exciting right now. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate your time. This is going to be the last question. What lasting impact do you want to have on the art world? Lasting impact? Um, my last thing is that I gave artists platforms um, to express themselves and create. That's sort of the impact that I want to have. It has there's almost nothing to do with like opening doors or being the first to do this or that. It really is about sort of I, I think what brought me to the art world was just I was so fascinated by 
the ways that artists were thinking about the world that we the world that we live in in extremely creative ways that defy policy that defy our imaginations defy sort of what we think is possible and i think in being able to be a part of that process whether that's in writing or exhibition making it's just really been an honor for me i've grown a lot i've changed a lot because of um, the artists I have got, uh, grown to know because of the curators and cultural workers. And so I hope that um, I continue to get to do this work um, on, the, on, on the stages that have been uh, granted to me. I uh, share the same passions and very much appreciate all my interactions and everything I've learned from artists and talking to people like you. There's nothing like them, you know, it really nothing like them in all the ways, the good, the bad, the extraordinary. There's nothing like them um oh there's also a khalil irving show that's opening at moma that i can't wait to see that legacy russell curator curated thank you for that and uh once again it's it's great i'm glad i had an opportunity to feature you it's important your voice is important thank you so much and i thank you for making the time right before christmas enjoy the holidays okay you too thank you for listening to cerebral women art talks podcast for additional content please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.